fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me. And my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. One movie each week. 30 years in the making. It is the 30-something movie podcast. I am your host, John Reed, and I am joined, as always, by my intrepid co-host, Patrick Canigallo. Hey, hey, everybody. Excellent. And Bo Warmbold. Yo. Yo. And we are... We're... Just running right into the month of April here, so I, I feel like the year has gone by kind of quickly so far. Like we're already we're already a fourth of the way through the year, and that seems yeah. a little crazy. A little bit, yes, it does. So we are. If this was a football or basketball game, we'd be in the second quarter right now. So second yeah. quarter, almost. That's almost, real crazy when you think about it that way. It's a little crazy. So. Uh, but we've got some good stuff for you. We had some great stuff for you last month. we got some good stuff coming for you this month. Very, very quickly, we do spoil around here. We're just going to talk freely, so just be warned. We spoil as we talk. Visit our website, 30podcast.com. You can leave a rating, leave a voicemail, become a co-executive producer via Patreon. Any level of support on there, even like a dollar a month, will get you access to those bonus episodes we've got on there. So go check that out. Uh, for less than the price of a cup of coffee a month, you could get extra bonus 30-something movie podcast in your podcast feed. So there is that. And uh, this episode starts our, and, and I would like to, I'd like to take a moment, if you guys don't Just mind. Just sit right here. Uh, sit right here. Uh, go ahead. Tell you about it. <clears throat> okay, I'm going to take a moment here. I'm going to get comfy here next to the, the roaring fireplace that I've got. The year was 2022, and uh, it was just at the end of our last recording that we had that one Mr. Patrick Canigallo Uh-oh. decided that he wanted to point out that my <laughs> theme name for the month of April was, <laughs> was Be All You Can Be, which, of course, I know is Army-related, and that none of our movies for the month of April actually feature the Army. <laughs> to which I said, I know, I'm just trying to get at a general armed forces kind of a feel to it. But no, because we strive for accuracy here on the 30-something movie podcast. We're changing the name of this month's theme. How about run and gun month? How about you run and gun? <laughs> he's still upset, Bo. I think I, I think he's still mad. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna play this off as a there was there was a podcast I used to listen to, and it was it was based on the TV show Smallville back when that was on. And it was, the, mm-hmm. it was actually the, one of the guys that kind of got me inspired to, to do a podcast in the first place. Uh, Steve Glosson, who did the, they did a, a podcast called Starkville's House of L. And it was Derek Russell and Steve Glosson were the hosts. And Steve Glosson still does a bunch of different podcasts. Geek Out Loud is his podcast. So if anybody wants to go check it out, go check it out. And they did this entire segment 
And it was kind of back during the time when, I want to say, when the Captain America Civil War movie was coming out. And they decided that they were not going to tell their listeners, but over the course of several months, they were going to make it sound like they were getting more and more angry at each other. (laughs) To the point where people actually thought the two of them hated each other and that their podcast was coming to an end because they were just, months later, they were just tearing into each other, just being so vicious to each other on their show. But they never told anybody that it was all an act. And like they had had this whole thing (laughs) planned out. And so I, that's I, outstanding. I feel like we could do that here, but I've already kind of given it away. Right. Yeah. You're going to have a hard time with that one. And I, you I can't, could, uh, I can't stay y- mad y- at you guys. Uh, no, of course. And we can't be mad at you. No, John, I, mean, I, I know should... where, I know where you both live, but other than that, right. It's true. Right. Right. You could become physically angry. I feel like the intro could be sort of like a last time on the 30 something movie podcast. Mm-hmm. And then it ends with, okay, what are you going to call it? Dot, 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 right? Uh-huh. You could, it could be like a total cliffhanger from last time. Mr. Canagallo, fire. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, it's I, I been just, a long time. There you go. There you go. It's, yeah, this happened in between recordings, so I just, I feel like now is the appropriate time for me to play this. You've been Pat Splained. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, man. Oh, man. It didn't mean anything when it was in between recordings, so I, I feel like I should use it now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So it, it has now reached its appropriate place. Yeah. Uh, well, it's not my place with the naming of the show. I Like I said, I'm not judging. I'm merely observing. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> would you like a shovel patrick i'm just yeah, curious I'm just, I'm just gonna sit over here i'm just gonna sit over here on my side of the podcast oh oh you ready to blow yeah i'm ready to blow <laughs> well i'm a mushroom cloud laying mother- <laughs> mother- every time my fingers touch brain i'm super fly tnt i'm the guns of the navarone and sam jackson is in our movie tonight so that's exciting yes he is yes he is good that's, pivot i th- this this entire movie is just a star wars mm. reunion Basically. Yeah. Before some of them were in Star Wars, but yeah. kind of a Star Wars reunion. Yeah. So. All right. So this upcoming month will be our running and gunning theme uh, for the month of April. And we'll be taking a look at Patriot Games, Under Siege, A Few Good Men, and Universals. All of which, let's see, half of these I had not seen before. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I had not seen. Well, I take that back. I had seen bits and pieces of Patriot Games, but never from oh. beginning to end. Wow. And wow. I have and I have never seen let me double check this in my brain for just a moment. I've never seen Under Siege. Really? Yeah. Wow, I've, that's I've interesting. Seen, I've seen a few good men many times, and I've seen Universal Soldier an inappropriate number of times. <laughs> well, this is exciting. Just maybe Universal Soldier, maybe let's go so, so far as to say a vulgar amount of times. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Vulgar. Well, no, 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 no. I should reserve vulgar for Star Wars Episode One. Oh, that's fair. Universal Soldier. Are they army? That's extraordinary. What would you like to do next? I'm just saying that uh-huh. could be the end for the original I, title of the month. Could be. Could be. I'll, I'll have to look into it. I, I don't recall. 
All right. All right. I'm just. You're trying to redeem yourself. I see what you're doing. I'm trying to just make it all you're, work. You're trying to get back in my good graces. It's fine. I, I, I yes. Yes. In I'm, not, all honesty, I'm not enraged with you, Pat. Okay. It's not, I'm not enraged <laughs> with you. It's just, it's, it's a low level fury. Flames. Flames on the face. side of my face. Burning. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's funny. But we're we're um, all fine here now. We're fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Oh man, it's too bad we don't have a recording of the initial. Hey John, I just noticed something. What's that? Well, you know, knows I I'm aware of that. Okay, I'm aware of that. I just I just needed a title. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just <laughs> And he just keeps going for it, John. He can't stop himself. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I'm like sliding down a hill. First time listener to the Patriot Games, huh? Yeah. Yeah, first time all the way through. So I know I had seen a, some bits and pieces here and there because there were scenes that I recognized. I was like, oh, I've mm-hmm. seen that part. But there were other parts I was like, no, I have not seen this at all. And there were other parts that I was just shocked. I was like, whoa, <laughs> they did that. So, no, I, I very, very quickly realized I have not seen this movie. Oh, so cool. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, before we get into our other stuff, uh, this is the first episode of the month. So we got to jump in the DeLorean. We got to head back in time to this month in 92. So we're looking at April 1992, some stuff that was happening. Actually, I've got a lot of stuff this time around that was happening that might be of interest. So some Hmm. top news in April of 1992. April 2nd, Mafia boss John Gotti is found guilty of five murders. Uh, plus, also, consp- not to be outdone, uh, five murders plus conspiracy to murder, loan sharking, illegal gambling, obstruction of justice, bribery, and tax evasion. Oh, wow. Oh, if you're going to do it, go big or go home. Right. 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 On the other hand, he had a beautiful singing voice. So, uh, April 12th, on, on a slightly different note, on April 12th, Euro Disney in Paris opened. April 12th of 1992. I remember that because we were living over in England at the time, and that was kind of a, we never went, but that was kind of a big deal at the time. Mm-hmm. And I believe, I don't know if it was right away, but I believe there were a bunch of, and I, I can't remember why, like what the cause was, there were a bunch of French farmers that were protesting the opening of Euro Disney. I cannot remember why. I don't, I, I don't remember if they like took French farmlands to build it on, or I don't remember what the reason was, but I vividly remember news stories on the BBC of like a bunch of French agricultural businesses or farmers or whatever were protesting the opening. That is hmm. an yeah. odd memory to uh, to keep. It is. That's why I I don't think I would have made it up. But no, I don't. That doesn't strike me as. Yeah. I would make this... up a French protest. Right. The, the French <laughs> farmers are uh, protesting the mouse. I I remember that Euro Disney. I I I can't remember why, but I do remember what you said. I remember there were protests. Mm-hmm. They were probably just mad about. The commercialization in general. Oh, no. Here I found it. Oh. French farmers block Europe's Disneyland. Okay. Now, this is a news article from June of 1992. Angered by U.S. agricultural trade policies, tractor-driving French farmers blockaded the entrance to the new Euro Disneyland outside Paris today. Huh. And there you are. There you go. So it was the it was, it was the very first caravan of what is the caravan of what was the name caravan of courage? No, that was the Ewok movie. What was the trucker caravan that was the caravan of hope? Oh yeah, I just, oh jeez, I, I keep thinking caravan of courage, but that's the Ewoks. 
Yeah. Battle of Endor. It was a- no, I don't. I have no idea. I don't remember. It was like caravan of it was two weeks ago. I don't if it was more than forty eight hours. I don't remember anything. Exactly, like that's you're asking a lot for us to. My life is memento. People's convoy. Ah, the people's convoy. Okay. Freedom convoy. Oh yeah, we got it all, buddy. There we go. We got the freedom convoy. We got a freedom convoy to go with our freedom fries. Mm -hmm. And we got the people's elbow. Eastbound and down, (laughs) rolling out and and trucking. We're gonna do what they say can't be done. Why don't we talk about? I want to talk about Patriot Games, but why don't we talk about Smokey and the Bandit? (laughs) That needs to be talked about too. Can we we go back at some point and do that one? Mm -hmm. Sure. Maybe that's maybe that's a Patreon. What do we? That's around seventy-seven. Oh man, we have to wait five years to talk about it. Well, maybe next year. Is what will that will that be? Twenty twenty-three minus nineteen seventy-seven. Carry the two. It was my understanding that there would be no math. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah, you. Thank you. Twenty twenty-three. Is it forty-five minus... years old now? This 2023 year, minus 1977 is 46. 46. So, yeah. so this year will be 45. So yeah, we kind of need to well, think maybe, about that as an option. It, maybe do it this year. Because yeah. I remember I really loved that movie as a kid. I don't know why, but... Oh my gosh, there's a million re- reasons I mean, why I that movie's like, amazing. Yeah, I feel like there's a million reasons. So All The right. Shirley guys did a wonderful Smoking the Bandit versus um, Well, there's a reason not run. to do it. They've already done it better than we will. Well, I, you know, <laughs> no, see, that's part no, of the I, I, yeah, I, 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 we have our own distinct flavor, but I would oh, say, we do at that. <laughs> we do, we do, and if you do, and mm. if you do, and if, you if do. we do it, listen now, to the Shirley guys because it's pretty amazing. Okay, now Pat, I don't want to screw this up. How would you describe our flavor? How would I describe our flavor? I'm afraid I if know. I describe it, I'll get it wrong. So how would you describe it, Pat? Uh, wow! <laughs> wow! <laughs> well, I would say a tad icy. Okay. Icy. It's it's it's, it's tad icy. That it tad causes icy. a small yeah. aftertaste. There's bubbly, fruity overtones, but bitter. Would you say a bitter aftertaste? There, it's a bitter fruity. aftertaste. Now, which you know, dis- Dennis is not here to defend himself, so <laughs> I see what you did there. I just I see what you did there. Okay, before anybody thinks that we're like angry at each other, no, it's just Pat's an it's- idiot. <laughs> Oh my gosh! That's not true. I love you all. I we love you too. Yeah, Pat. Love you too. What are we? <laughs> wait, wait. What happened? Bo just what, what, Bo just said my Bo just said my name. We're, we're trying to figure out why we're looking. We're staring at a balloon that's on your ceiling. Oh my gosh, my kids hang things like it's just a okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I t- Okay, first of all, I'm not editing any of this out. Second of all, we've lost Bo again. <laughs> This is like this is like this is like this Big is like Lebowski levels of losing Bo. Yeah, I know. This is this is for the next four hundred. This will be. 
this is like, I, the people need to understand. Hold on. I, this, is, this has to be done. I'm taking a screen capture of this. There we go. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm going to have to tweet this out for the people because otherwise they're not going to understand. Bo and I right now, while trying to conduct ourselves as part of a podcast recording, are having to watch some kind of like French philosophical existential film about a green balloon hanging from the ceiling. And now the green balloon might also look like other things, but... <laughs> I think the soundtrack, you got to put like the thing from... You got to put that thing from Eyes Wide Shut, that piano part. Dun, 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 dun. It hadn't moved in such a way that I could tell it was a balloon. I'm looking at it, I'm going, is it a... I didn't know what it was. Door stop! Like, what am I looking at? <sighs> oh... Oh dear! Is it getting oh, yeah, now? It's now. It's a French art film for sure. You've heard of ninety-nine red balloons? I raise you one green. Patrick. Patrick. Yes, John. The password is Fidelio. Fidelio. What is that? <laughs> I don't even know what's happening here. Oh, it's going to be real fun for anybody listening to this as they take their morning commute into work, and they're like, well, let's see. The guys are recording this in April. Is it the 20th? I don't think so. <laughs> that would explain what? a lot. I picked this to mow my lawn to? Okay. Right. On April 13th of 1992, Crystal Pepsi began test marketing in Sacramento, Providence, Denver, Dallas, and Grand Rapids. Did uh, either of you gentlemen ever partake of the Crystal Pepsi? I did. I actually liked Crystal Pepsi. Did you? And so, not that we haven't had a hundred sidebars already, well, but no. I'm going to do a sidebar here for it's show on the History do. Channel, the food that built America. If you've never watched it, I have not. It is fantastic. Oh. They cover like the foods that built America. No, <laughs> they like they pick say pizza, and the episode is about Domino's versus Pizza Hut, or or the one that really hooked me was this could sound so dumb. The one that really hooked me was the Sub Wars, Blimpy versus Subway. Blimpy oh. versus Subway. Like, it, this show is riveting in a way that I cannot explain. <laughs> <laughs> I just watched Dunkin' Donuts versus Krispy Kreme, and I loved it. <laughs> well, Dunkin' Donuts versus there's clearly one winner. Well, clearly, but that's the, that's what's so interesting about this is even though most of the time there clearly is a winner, not that the Burger King guys didn't make a lot of money, but McDonald's won. Where can we find this show? History Channel. History Channel. Or anywhere History Channel shows are streamed or watched. Um, Got it. Or, or give our podcast about 20 minutes. And that's the discussion that'll turn to. Exactly. <laughs> Food. So what made me think of it is the one we started watching tonight before I jumped on the pod was uh, Coke versus Pepsi. Oh, oh okay. Nice. Again, I think we know clearly by market share who the winner is, mm -hmm. but it's still going to be very interesting. Yeah. 
Did you guys Talk ever do? I, I remember in the mall in when I was growing up in in Dallas. I remember in the mall they would have those booths, and you would do like the Pepsi Challenge or the whatever it was called. And it mm-hmm. was uh, it was would, called would, the Pepsi Challenge. Pepsi we were Challenge? actually yeah. they were just talking about that on the episode. Yeah, and you would taste test them. And I, as as a kid, I was totally convinced. I'm like, oh, I can tell. I can tell the difference. And I I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it was a little rigged. Now I can tell the difference. Oh, I yeah, can totally Pepsi, tell the difference now. Yeah, I can tell you. Coke, Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, Diet Coke, and Coke oh, yeah. Zero without too much difficulty. Yeah. I think I can even tell you Sprite versus 7-Up these days. Okay. It's weird. Really? I, I can tell the difference, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's it's that special seventh sense that we have. Mm. I can tell you that I like Coke Zero best. Okay. I like Diet Pepsi more than Diet Coke. But I like regular Coke more than regular Pepsi. Okay. All right. Uh, so you guys are going to have to help me with this one. On the same day, and I don't know if this is coincidence or not, same day that Crystal Pep- Pepsi starts test marketing, uh, you're going to have to help me with this because I did not live in Chicago in the early 90s. I found here, April 13th, 1992, something called the Great Chicago Flood, that the underground tunnels flooded in Chicago. So they were doing some work on the river. Yeah. I remember. And they punctured a huge hole into the tunnels that go underneath the loop, and it just filled with water. Really? And they ended up using mattresses to plug the hole. It was so big. It was quite the event. Huh. I don't know that I've ever heard of this. Oh, yeah. Okay. There's some good pictures of, like, the Pedway flooded And the basement levels of Marshall Fields at the time, if I remember correctly. All the basements were flooded. Yeah. All of them. (laughs) (sighs) Nice callback. That was was well done. It's the green green balloon. Yeah. (laughs) I'm inspired. Yeah, that's it. Uh (laughs) All right. On April 26th, both Growing Pains and Who's the Boss have their final episodes air on ABC. Wow. So that was a big night for TV. <clears throat> End uh, of an era. Uh, and, and there's another one coming up here in just a second. Um, let's see. April 29th, jury acquits Los Angeles Police Department officers on charges of excessive force and the beating of Rodney King. The decision sparks massive riots in the city. That it did. It did. And April 30th, the 208th and final episode of The Cosby Show airs on NBC. And that is the most eventful thing that we'll ever hear from Bill Cosby ever again. Yep, that was end of an era. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of people born and died in April of 1992. So births on April 10th, and this just kind of makes me feel old because I realized at the time I would have been almost 12 years old in April of 92. The first one I've got here on April 10th of 1992, Daisy Ridley, the English actress who played Ray in the new Star Wars <sighs> movies, was born in London. Jeez. Makes you feel just a little old. Just a tad. Just a tad. April 18th, Chloe Bennett, the Chinese-American actress from Agents <laughs> of S.H.I.E.L.D., was born in Chicago. And April 24th, actually my dad's birthday, on April 24th, Joe Keery, the actor who plays Steve Harrington on Stranger Things, was born in Massachusetts. Deaths for this one, some big-time deaths in April of 92. April 5th, Sam Walton, the founder and CEO of Walmart and Sam's Club. He died at age 74. Wow. On April 6th, Isaac Asimov, 
the Russian scientist and sci-fi writer who did iRobot and the Foundation Trilogy, died from kidney failure at age 72. April 10th, Sam Kinison, the comedian, died in a car crash at age 38. And April 20th, Benny Hill of the Benny Hill Show died of a heart attack at age 68. So quite a few big-time deaths there. Yeah, that was... uh... And that was all this month. That was all April of 92, yeah. Wow. Let's see, top sports. Uh, the only one I, I put down, there were several things, but the only one I put down was on April 1st. The NHL, National Hockey League, had their first ever strike in their 75-year history up to that point. I think it lasted about 10 days. The top books, uh, Pelican Brief was the top book in April of 92. Uh, Pelican Brief by John Grisham. Top movies were White Men Can't Jump, Sleepwalkers, and Basic Instinct. And the top songs were Save the Best for Last by Vanessa Williams and Jump by Criss Cross. The movie Patriot Games came out on the 5th of June, 1992, was rated R with a runtime of one hour, 57 minutes, directed by Philip Noyce, who did Rabbit Proof Fence, The Quiet American. Uh, Writers were Tom Clancy, W. Peter Illiff, Donald E. Stewart. Clancy did Hunt for Red October, Some of All Fears. Illiff did Point Break and Varsity Blues. Stewart did Hunt for Red October and Clear and Present Danger. Producers were Mace Newfeld, who died in 2022, and Robert Rem. Newfeld did No Way Out and The Saint. Rem did Clear and Present Danger and Beverly Hills Cop 3. Music was done by James Horner, who died in 2015. He did Avatar and Titanic. Cinematography was done by Donald McAlpine, who did Moulin Rouge and Romeo and Juliet. Editor was William Hoy and Neil Travis, who died in 2012. Hoy did the newer Planet of the Apes movies and iRobot. Travis did Dances with Wolves and The Edge. Budget for this one was $45 million, box office $178 million. Flick Metrics gives it a 65%, and CinemaScore gives it an A-. Starring Harrison Ford is Jack Ryan. He was in Witness and Indiana Jones. Anne Archer played Kathy Ryan. She was in Fatal Attraction and Shortcuts. Patrick Bergen played Kevin O'Donnell. He was in Sleeping with the Enemy and the 1991 Robin Hood. Sean Bean played Sean Miller. He was in Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones. Thora Birch played Sally Ryan. She was in Hocus Pocus and American Beauty. James Fox played Lord Holmes. He was in A Passage to India and Sherlock Holmes. Samuel L. Jackson played Robbie. He was in Pulp Fiction and The Hateful Eight. Polly Walker played Annette. She was in Rome and Emma. James Earl Jones played Andrew Greer. He was in Star Wars and Field of Dreams. And Richard Harris, who died in 2002, played Patty O'Neill. He was in The Count of Monte Cristo and Gladiator. When former CIA agent Jack Ryan hampers an IRA terrorist attack in London, he kills one of the terrorists. The dead man's brother, another member of the group named Sean Miller, is arrested but quickly escapes. Vowing revenge against Ryan, Miller travels to the United States, where he forces Ryan's wife and daughter into a car accident that badly injures them. This convinces Ryan to rejoin the CIA in order to track down Miller. This won't be like anything you've ever done before, little brother. Target leaving the palace now. Listen! From the producer of The Hunt for Red October. Get down! Based on the best-selling novel, comes the summer's most explosive motion picture. Hoodie. So, you just waited on in like John Wayne. I couldn't just stand there and watch him shoot those people. It was rage. Pure rage. 
a reluctant soldier. They were moving him to Albany Prison on the Isle of Wight when it happened. They are unarmed. We know he's escaped. We think he's left the country. In a war that isn't his. What Ryan done can't be undone, so you should stop thinking about it. I can't. There's never been a terrorist attack on American soil, Jack. These men are professionals. Personal revenge rarely plays into it. But I killed his brother. Let's do it. A man fighting for everything he holds dear. Where's Sally? Let's, uh, let's sit down for a moment. No, talk to me. For justice. I'm after the man who tried to kill my family. I want back in. Who are we looking for here? IRA terrorists or some ultra-violent faction of the IRA? This is who we should be looking for. We find her. We'll find them. For freedom. Where are you taking me? It's you who've taken us, Jack, into battle. ETA, 35 seconds. SES could take on any one of these camps. Are you sure this is the same girl? For family. He's never gonna let us go, is he? I don't care what you have to do. You just get it. For keeps. Where's Sean Miller? Get me hostage rescue at Quantico now. Airborne support approaching target area. Patriot Games. All right, so this one we'll start off with our usual questions. How's this movie make you feel, and when was the first time you saw it? I love this movie. I probably saw it right when it came out. I've always loved the Jack Ryan stories and Harrison Ford, so there was really no reason not to see it right away. Love the book, too. It's definitely one of those where you have to be able to process that the book and the film are two very different things, you know, very different art forms, because there are... Like with a lot of Tom Clancy adaptations, the books are so long and so dense that condensing them into even a two-hour movie is foolhardy if you think you're going to try to cover all the bases. So you have to kind of pick your plot points. And there are definitely some – you could quibble a lot. I think Clancy himself removed himself from any attachment to the project because he was not happy with the way this was portrayed. But I think as a movie, it is fantastic, and the, the source material is – is wonderful as well. Yeah, that was interesting to me, having never read any of the books, like reading up on how much Tom Clancy was not happy with most of these early adaptations of his books. And, I- and it's funny, I think uh, Some of All Fears is one he's actually kind of okay with, and it's the one I like the least as far as adaptations. I think they picked the wrong storyline. Yeah. yeah. But whatever. <laughs> Well, that was an interesting thing about this one in particular, because then I, I went and I went to go look at Roger Ebert's review of this when mm. it came out. And Roger Ebert gives it a two and a half stars. And, mm. and Ebert, in his review, he makes comments like, well, I don't know, having not read the source material, I don't know if Tom Clancy assumed this, or if I don't know if he meant to do this, or I don't know how involved he was in this. He kind of makes a lot of assumptions, and he keeps saying, well, Tom Clancy does this, Tom Clancy... And I'm sitting there going, all of the stuff that you're saying about Tom Clancy, he would probably tell you, no, absolutely not. I I was not involved in that. I don't have anything to do with that. So it was interesting to me that Ebert's review, kind of one of the very few times I've noticed it, Ebert, that review is kind of showing his ignorance. 
is that he's as he's writing this review, he's saying, I gave it two and a half stars, and I really think Clancy should have done this, and Clancy should have done that. And it's like, yeah, no, he, he didn't. Right. But. Patrick, what about you? Bo, were you going to finish oh, yeah, your thought no. there? No, I was just going to say, I think it's funny. If you were to start from zero and try to do some of these today, I think you would do them as these limited run series that we're seeing now where you can really dig into the depth of some of this stuff. It's It's got to be the, you almost have to have, for that kind of source material, you almost have to have the long form TV show. Yeah, you need six to ten hours yeah. instead of two. Yeah. Patrick, what about you? How's this one make you feel? What's your history with it? Well, I greatly enjoy this movie for a number of reasons. I started reading Tom Clancy books when I was in about fifth or sixth grade, right? So I read Hunt for October, Red Storm Rising, Patriot Games, Cardinal of the Kremlin. I'm trying to think of yep. then as, yeah, and then when did the rest come out? Because I think they those were the ones that were all out when I was going through junior high, and then I just kept reading them as they went. But that was... I'm trying to, well, and it's really not relevant to this discussion, but so I had read all of those. And so when the movies started coming out, it was, yeah, of course I'm going to go see the movies. These are my favorite books. And so, and I've got, I've got a funny story when we get into it about when this movie came out, but I saw this in the theater and it was one of the first R rated movies that was sanctioned by my parents that I could go out and see. And uh, yeah, I, I greatly enjoyed the movie. And honestly, Bo, everything you said was like that me, it me kind of thing, because I struggled so much like wanting to just love this movie. And I couldn't because I just had a problem with, I was like sitting in the audience in seventh grade or eighth grade or whatever with my copy of Patriot Games that had I'd read at least 10 times with notes in the margin and like dog-eared pages and all this kind of stuff. And I was just like, well, but, but I, but I, it, I, but I, uh, I mm, kind of a thing. And I didn't like hate the movie and I didn't rage on the movie. And like I said, I got, a, I've got copies of it as soon as I could start getting DVDs and buying my own, like I had a copy of it, loved the movie. But that was a big struggling thing for me is, is I really love the movie, but it, and I, and again, I'm just going to say exactly what you said. I just, I, I need to accept that it's just a different medium. It's a different, it's a different animal. You know what I'm saying? And well, of course, you know what I'm saying, because you said it and I'm, I'm echoing your words, but hello, that's exactly what, what I think when I, when I see this movie, it's great. I, I enjoy it but I just love the book so much more. And I, I just can't recommend the book enough to people that are interested in it. Yeah. For me, like I said, this is the first time I think I've seen this all the way through that I had seen some of the scenes in here, but there were very clearly a lot of parts I had not seen before. So yeah, I enjoy it. I, I can't think of a, I'm even trying to think of like a bad Harrison Ford movie that I still enjoyed. Typically, if Harrison Ford is your is your your main character, your protagonist in the movie, I'm probably going to enjoy whatever movie he's in. I'm even thinking back to like Cowboys and Aliens. Not a great movie. <laughs> good, good analogy. Yes, <laughs> not a great movie, but Harrison no. Ford's in it, and it was fun. So, 
Mm-hmm. God, I forgot about that movie. Uh-huh. Wasn't that Daniel Craig was in that too? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A very interesting cast for what it turned out to be. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. stuff like that. Like if Harrison Ford is in it, I'm probably going to enjoy watching it. Right. And, and that's the thing. Like if I just like forget all about the book and just try to watch this as a movie, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a fun action movie. It's, it's cool. So I, and we'll get into talking about the, the plot just a little bit. We'll kind of, we'll, we'll gloss over it a bit as we're talking, but I think one of the things about this one where it didn't quite hold up, because I know I have seen Clear and Present Danger. It's been a very long time since I've seen that one. I've it's been a long time. It's been a long run. Yeah. Hunt for Red October, seen that one. Some of All Fears, seen that one. So I think I've seen most of the other ones, if not all the other ones. I had been watching the, the Jack Ryan series that I think was on Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. And so yep. really enjoyed all those and enjoy the character and, and all that. Have never read the books, like I said. But I, one of the things about this movie is... As the movie got going and I and I knew what the plot was going to be, I'm like, oh, okay, well that's that that feels different than some of these other when I think of like these kind of CIA spycraft type movies, stuff like that. This one seemed a little bit different. Maybe just the angle of it being an offshoot of the IRA and that kind of stuff. Had I seen it at the time, I think it might have had a bigger impact on me. Than it did. I, I really enjoyed it. Had a lot of fun watching it. I think my two just kind of an initial off the off the top of my head things are there were times when the story seemed a little convoluted that I was trying to, I, I thought I knew what path we were on or I thought I knew something and I was like, hold on, wait, did I, did I miss a scene? Did I, I feel like I got to go back for something because I, I feel like I'm missing an explanation here. Or I'm missing something. But had I seen it at the time, I think it might've had a little bit more of an impact on me. It had, a little bit more personal uh, personal connection to it because this is around the time, around the time that this came out was around the time that we had moved over to England. And I remember because, and there's the line in the movie where they say there's never been an attack, a terrorist attack on American soil. I remember when we moved to England, our first winter there, I remember there was a bunch of stuff in the news about these bombings in London, the IRA mm-hmm. bombings, and there were these news <clears throat> stories about people being sent mail bombs that kids would, would be, families and kids would be opening up these packages that they were being sent for Christmas, and it was like a nail bomb inside the package would explode and like kill these people or whatever. And I just remember as a kid thinking, this is crazy. Like, I didn't think England was all that different from the United States, and we didn't have this when we lived in Texas in the United States. What is going on over here? And as a kid, I didn't fully understand. Like, I was, I would have been about 11 years old, so I didn't fully understand what was going on. I just knew that it was something serious, and it was, it was very different than anything that was within a... 50 mile radius of my house seeing it on the news like that and knowing that this was happening within an hour of where I lived even as a kid that that kind of shook me a bit so I think had I seen this around this time then I definitely would have had more of that kind of personal connection to the story and and to kind of what was going on here but just in general I I really liked the premise of the story I kind of liked the direction it was taking there were just certain things I don't know there were just certain things about it that, that didn't click for me List them. What part did you feel was was? I'm curious. What did you feel got convoluted? Where you were like, okay, I'm. If I 
I don't want to mischaracterize it, but where you felt like you got a little turned around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the parts in particular, especially as I had gone as I'd gone through and I'd watched most of the movie by that point, I kept thinking back to one of the early scenes, and I think they I think they even played it in the trailer where they ask him, "Why did you start charging towards these these criminals in ski masks? Like, why did you jump into the fray and and do this?" and He's just like, well, it was rage. I was just angry, and it was rage, and I wasn't thinking. And I, and that was before, like, I know his wife and his child were there, so I know there's the consideration that his family is in danger. But I, going back and thinking back to that scene when he says that, I don't know that I understand the rage part of it until they've actually targeted his family later on. Mm. Like, I I would understand the idea of fear. Like, he feared for his wife and child's safety. But I don't know that I understand him saying that he just felt rage. It was like almost like blind rage. And that's why he charged in. There were just a couple little instances like that where it just something about the dialogue or something, the way something was mentioned in a scene, it just didn't, it didn't seem to click quite right. Not, not that it was wrong. Like, sure, you could be enraged by criminals trying to assassinate someone or kidnap someone. But I don't know. Something about it just didn't seem to it didn't seem to click as if it fit together perfectly. Yeah, there were a couple of times where I guess the best analogy I have is there were a couple of times here and there where I felt like somebody was forcing puzzle pieces to fit together. And I, I, I would, Bo, I don't know if you remember. I want to go back in the book and see. If- why he did what he did. And I don't well, know. Well, I think, if- honestly, I think some of this, this is that moment where having read the books gives you, depending on how you look at it, gives you an edge or a handicap. Mm-hmm. We know who Jack Ryan is. Right. And for Jack Ryan, it probably is rage, rage that this is even allowed to happen. Yeah. He is a Boy Scout. That's that. See, that's. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. That's that's. Go for it. I, well, I was just gonna say. I, that's the character, mm-hmm. right? Like, I, as I remember in 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 the Tom Clancy books, that's the Jack Ryan character, right? He would He's, just be enraged that it's even happening yeah. in the middle of the street on a Tuesday. Okay. And like, and he's that, not. And, and I think you're right. I don't think the movie takes the time to play that up because right. it happened so early. Well, I feel like even knowing, cause again, have never having never read the books, I'm just basing this off the movie series, knowing that this is, and my understanding is in the books, this story should actually come earlier than Hunt for Red October. Yes. Mm-hmm. But following the movies, I don't think I would know that. I don't know that I would picture Alec Baldwin's character in Hunt for Red October and say, He's a total Boy Scout who would be enraged by something like this happening in the middle of the street. I I see no, him as I see him as best, somebody who is willing to jump in when needed, but I don't. I, the rage for some reason just doesn't come through to me. Yeah, that, I get what you're saying. That line, that yeah, that that seemed to be kind of like okay, we're making an action movie. Yeah, because I as I recall in the book, it was more that the bulletproof glass on the the limo was failing the guards had been shot and then the rest of it was just as i recall he was like he looked and realized that the one guy couldn't see him he had a total 
cover if he decided and he started running. And then as he was running, he was like, okay, how am I going to hit this guy? And here's how my football coach told me to do it my third year at the academy or whatever. And Well, that's the know, other thing. They don't even mention that he was a Marine at the academy in this movie. That you have to get from Red October, I think. Yeah, I – they show a picture. They say he was a former Marine. That's right. They do. You're right. But I said corrected. But it, but it, but it, but you're right. It doesn't really give that, that backstory. And so it, it just kind of, yeah, it just kind of fits in with the ethos that, that I think Tom Clancy presents in his books. You know what and I'm I saying? Think one of the things they talk about is they aged up the character for Harrison Ford. Yeah. I think that also hurts this story sometimes mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. The, the actions of a younger man are different than the actions of a middle-aged man. Mm-hmm. There's, there's even a, there's a thing on IMDb about how the scene at, at Annapolis was shortened. That, that fight scene was shortened because Harrison Ford was even like, guys, a middle-aged man is not going to be able to overpower this guy. That's not how well, this work. Yeah, he's like half and, my, and, half my age and twice my size. I'm not overpowering him. Right. Yeah, and 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 in all fairness to some great movies, that works. It works for an action movie, but Tom Clancy's books are very detailed and, like you said, very dense. Even going back with Hunt for Red October, it was excellent. It was so entertaining, but the submarine combat presented in the books was very different than how it was presented in the movie, right? And it's it's, it's the same thing here. Just ev- every. Every little detail, whether it was the assault on the house, the car thing, I think was a little bit, I think was, was pretty, seemed pretty, you know, similar to the book, at least my recollection, but the assault on the house, the uh, rescuing of Sean Miller, all those things, there's a lot more detail that goes into it. And I don't want to say it makes it more believable, but it just, it fills in the gaps and suddenly you're like, you're presented with, okay, this, this is kind of what's going on. When you leave those things out, sometimes it's like that line in Austin Powers when they're talking about time travel, we don't question it too much and turn the camera. We recommend you don't as well. And that's just kind of (laughs) what you do in it. That's just kind of what you do in action movies. And it's a great action movie. And Harrison Ford brings his charisma to the screen and Sean Bean is amazing. And I mean, all that kind of stuff. But Sean Bean makes it all the way to the end of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And even the, even the boat chase in the book was, it was very different how that all went down. There was a whole, there was a whole character introduced. It, you remember the guy in the, the, I think it was the Marine Sergeant in the book when Jack decided to get back into shooting. Right. You know, for self-defense. And it, it, like I said, there's more detail that it, in the book well, I don't know. I'd love to, I'd love to see it on the screen or in the in the movie and all that. But in a movie, you got to make it within two hours. You, I would assume you got to go for the action sequence, as opposed to slowing things down and and getting into a more dense, packed scene. Yeah. Well, so I, jumping back to the beginning of the movie, the basic premise, the catalyst for this whole thing is that, as we've said, he there's a, a kidnapping attempt on a member of the royal family and i think he's supposed to be the the minister of state for northern ireland as well and jack ryan jumps in intervenes 
And while he intervenes, he kills the younger brother of Sean Miller, played by Sean Bean. So in that, then he gets convicted. His buddies spring him as part of the, the convoy when they're transporting him. And from that point on, it kind of, from his perspective, it becomes this revenge plot against Jack Ryan. And that was the, and that's what I'm going to jump ahead because you mentioned it just a minute ago, to the scene where his wife and daughter, his uh, wife picks up the daughter from school and they're driving and he get, Jack Ryan gets jumped by the one guy coming out of his out of his class and he realizes what's going on so he's trying to call his wife and that whole thing of her being on the phone he can't get through to her and and I was shocked like that was one of the moments where I really was like nope I have not seen this movie because I ex- <laughs> I expected that like they would narrowly escape from these guys I didn't think the guys would kill him right there on the highway with the machine gun but I was like oh yeah they're going to narrowly get away and somehow they're going to be okay and then she smashes into that median, and the next thing we know, they're in the hospital. And I'm like, oh, oh, people don't survive those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't expect that. So that was one of the first moments that the movie actually kind of shocked me. Like, I, I, I have not seen this. I know I haven't seen this because I would have remembered that scene. And that was one of the first mo- kind of, oh, wow, moments of the movie for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I forgot when I was watching it, I forgot how early that happens. Yeah. Because it's funny, John, you pointed out you hadn't seen it all the way through. This is definitely one of those movies that for years just ran on cable or HBO or some. It was on the Spike channel a lot back in the day. And so you could be scrolling around once a month and run into this movie at one point or another. I think I've seen the the battle at the house more than I've seen any part of this movie. Cause you're just scrolling mm-hmm. around and you find it like, Oh, you might, you might not even see Harrison Ford. You might catch a scene with Samuel L. Jackson in it. You stop for a minute. You're like, Oh, what's this Patriot games right on <laughs> set the remote yeah. down and, and enjoy. So yeah, it's, I forgot how, where in the course of action, some of that happens. Yeah. But you're right. That hit on the highway is mm. oof. Duh. That that's, I, I don't want to say very well done because it's such a jarring scene, but it's it's very effective at what they're shooting for. Well, the the tension that it evokes is very well done. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like him trying to get through on the phone. And, yeah. Right. Well, and then we get those scenes where they are they're tracking them. They've been able to track them to the kind of the the military camp in North Africa, and mm-hmm. uh, we get those scenes. And I thought that was pretty chilling too especially at this time where you don't really see you you don't you don't have drones like we do now and you don't have drone strikes like you do now and so to have those scenes where they're showing them and you can see on the video screen the little almost like night vision satellite figures moving around the camp and and the the SAS team busting in and the helicopters flying over and blowing up the camp and some guy crawling on the ground almost dead and you're not seeing the actual people but you're seeing these little computer images and everything that's happening and i almost feel like that was a little bit more chilling than had you actually seen this incursion anyway like if you've seen it in real life i feel like seeing it on the computer screen was was even a little bit more unnerving yeah i i found that i i i i I like that scene and i like that well, Jack Ryan's an analyst, right? And you really get to see that in this movie, which is nice. 
And what's interesting, Bo, you were talking about Tom Clancy liking the, the sum of all fears portrayal mm-hmm. the best. I would highly recommend going and listening to the Friendly Fire podcast when they talk about the Tom Clancy movies. Mm-hmm. Because they, they really, as I always find that those guys, and I know that podcast is not recording anymore, but I, I always find those guys' insight just so worth listening to. And uh, they talk about that as well. And some of all fears is their favorite as well with the, with the portrayal of Jack Ryan and everything like that. Anyway, with this scene, I really enjoyed seeing that side of it. And it's interesting because even now, I don't know if we get like those images that it, obviously being a band director, I'm never in a, in a room like that where, where we're watching a, a special forces team go in and, and, take down a camp or whatnot. I don't know if it would be like, if real life would be that accurate and everything like, so I have no idea of saying that, but I think back to like seeing that in the early nineties, now everything is, there are books written, movies made, documentary, just so much information out there about Navy SEAL teams, army, special forces, the Delta force, the SAS, all these things that are supposed to be very clandestine covert, type things. So you go back 30 years and that's even more, you know what I'm saying? Like that's even more in the shadows. And the fact that it was like that idea, that concept of we get the Intel and this group goes in. I, I think that's, I think that's pretty amazing that that made it to the big screen. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I wonder too, cause Tom Clancy, he does talk about that because there's the John Clark character, right? And he talks about that when the clear and present danger, there's a, there's a, he talked about him being army rangers, but I don't know if it was supposed to be kind of like Delta Force type thing, hunting the drug lord, right? And then now the books come out and you find out about how that was Pablo Escobar and how our involvement in that piece. And, And then he wrote the book Rainbow Six, which was supposed to be all, right? And so I wonder if they had to say British SAS because they didn't want to mention the U.S. ones. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just, right. I find all that interesting. With, well, and in the book, it was the French something. Right. Because and some it, of that is, some of that is spycraft. Like you use the SAS or the French because then it doesn't connect back to you. Right. Well, well, and then, and I, and I want to say in the book, wasn't it an action direct camp that they were going after? I think so. Yeah. Okay. So, which is why I think they had the French. Yeah. I, anyway. Well, right. And that's was, the other thing here. It's the SAS because it's the IRA and this, that, and the other thing. And Right. So it's all that stuff is, is, is it's just interesting how things come down and, and all that with it. In watching that scene, they definitely, and I, I want to say the music that they used in there was actually from a, an or a sim- symphony, like a symphony orchestra, a Shostakovich symphony, wasn't yeah, it? Or? Oh gosh, where yes. was that? Did yeah, it we- sounds right. The uh, Fifth Symphony. And and it's supposed to be chilling, right? Yeah. But the only people that seem really chilled in it are kind of like our main characters. Yeah. Like even James Earl Jones kind of breathes a heavy sigh of relief and just says, "Okay, well, that's that." And I think. I don't know how much would they really be chilled by having that stuff go down or how much is that supposed to be a proxy for what we're supposed to be feeling as an audience going, Oh my gosh, this stuff really happens. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I I just, uh, I think a little column a little column B. Yeah. 
I would hope, here's here's your hope as just an average civilian, I would hope that instances like that still feel weighty to the people that have to make those decisions and have to enact those kind of actions. I would hope that there's kind of a somber feeling to it. But at the same time, I also know that in order to do some of the things, you kind of have to detach yourself from what exactly it is that you're doing. Mm -hmm. To a a degree. I I will say, so that, I I used the word chilling before, like that scene was chilling. Like it's as you're watching it and just watching Harrison Ford's expression on his face, kind of an expression of very seriousness, but also he's, you know, getting revenge on people that have nearly killed his daughter and killed his wife. So there's a there's a lot of myriad of emotions going on there. But I will say, and and I, I'm going to preface this by saying, he is probably my favorite composer, favorite movie composer. I love James Horner. I love his music. Um, mm-hmm. From the beginning of this movie, I mean, I know it's I know it's Irish, but in the beginning of this movie, you're already getting kind of some hints of what he's going to do with Braveheart a couple of years from now, things like that. But I gotta say, my my buddy James Horner, it takes me. I know we've talked about this before. It takes me out of the movie when I'm watching this scene and I'm like, oh, aliens. I know what you're going to say. What, what, with a drum roll. I have it right here. I have it queued up. I'm going to play it for a second. Play it. I wonder if I was thinking about this. I was thinking about this. So the, the music is on the aliens. Let's see the aliens soundtrack. It's called resolution and hyperspace. And on this soundtrack for Patriot Games, it's called Electronic Battlefield. So let me let me play just a moment of it. That's, it kind of starts to change up a little bit, but when you get that first, that, that little opening section there, it just, the, the moment I hear it, and I know, and we've talked about our, whether you want to call it self-plagiarism or, or whatever you want to call it, it's just, and, and, and I get it, and I, I get that somebody like Horner, who is so prolific in the amount of film scores he's writing, you're probably going to have to take from other stuff you've done before and drop it in here and there to compositions you're putting together just from the sheer number of things that he's working on. It's going to happen, but be that as it may, it's still, and as much as I love James Horner, it takes me out of the movie when I hear a section of music. If it was just a little different than what's in aliens, I would, I would be like, Oh, that sounds like aliens, but it's not. But when I hear it, I know the music so well from having watched those other movies so many times that my brain mm-hmm. just goes, oh, that's Aliens. He's using it again. Right. Like I can't, in my, in my brain, I can't, I, I want to separate it, but I can't separate it from, oh, he lifted some of his own music again. I heard it. It's funny. I, I know this is one of our ongoing discussion points. I heard it. There's a, on YouTube, there's an interview. It might be with James Horner. It might be with another one of the composers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's done a lot of film 
and they describe the process. And it's funny because one of the points that they bring up too is like, you're the movie composer, but you might have five different people that are all your boss telling you what you should be doing. Right. right? And, and like the guy broke it down and he says, sometimes they'll say, we like what you did, for example, in alien. And I'm just, I'm kind of paraphrasing this. This wasn't like, they didn't talk about aliens yeah. and Patriot games, but they'll say, Hey, we like what you did in aliens. Okay, great. Let me do something like that. No, 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 no. We want to hear no, that. We, we want that. In the, yeah, and it's just like, well, actually, let me give you something new. Well, actually, why don't we find someone new? Like, it's, do you get what I'm saying? Well, it's like, you know, when, and, when David W. Collins talks about some of the movie composer or some of the movie directors and producers, they put in the temp tracks and then they bring they the f- composer in and the composer's like, yeah, okay, so here I'm going to do, I'm going to do something that's influenced by this, 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 this. Well, no, I, I want that. Right. Well, then why did right. you hire me? If you want that, just license that and put that in your movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or or like, hey, we need you to write 30 seconds of music. Okay, great. Sorry, we just cut it down to 26 seconds. And it's just like, okay, well, think of writing a, writing a story, right. writing an essay, writing a paper, and then all of a sudden you leave out, you got to leave out the last five words of your sentence. Right. Of your climax sentence, you know? So so sometimes it's it's... I think in addition to what you're saying, the demands on a composer are, okay, you got this many weeks to come up with this project and be creative and be, but then you also have the demands of, like you said, the, the people in charge saying, well, we like this one. Right. And in yeah, any and line of, just, it, and, and I, and I completely understand, like, I'm, I'm not like you always say, nobody's asking me to write a movie or, or nobody's asking me to compose a symphony or a score or anything like that. I totally get when the I just look at the guy's IMDB page and how many right, right. compositions he had been over the course of his short life how much he had done and and I listen to his music and I love all the different like all the variations the fact that the same guy that did the Rocketeer also did Aliens also did mm-hmm. Braveheart also did the whole list of movies but it's just as I just I can't for me personally as a movie watcher just those times when I know that it has been note for note lifted from something right. else. Sure, I'm just like, ah, <laughs> I well, don't, it, I don't like it when that. I understand it. I totally get it, and and I don't fault the guy for it at all. So maybe whoever it was that said, "Hey, James, we need you to do it exactly like you did in Aliens," then maybe it's their fault. And I'm not right. I, I don't know that right. I want to blame anybody for it necessarily. It's just when I watch a movie, me personally, when I watch a movie and that happens, it takes me out of the movie watching experience. It would be right. like you're, it would be like you're watching the scene from Patriot Games and then all of a sudden the Sulaco flies by, right? Yeah. It yeah. would be that jarring. And I think your point is well taken. It's like it takes you out of it because it's like, no, 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 no. This isn't the music from this. This is the music from something else. So if the ship from aliens suddenly appeared on screen, right? That would, that's kind of the same thing. If they weren't flying in helicopters, they were flying in those cool little drop ships. Yeah. Right. Like, well, wait, that's not right. Those are the, the spacecraft from aliens that doesn't belong in this movie. I think the music can have the same effect with us. Do, do, mm-hmm. do you get where I'm going? So, okay. yeah. And I, I, I think your point is, is definitely it's incredibly well taken and that, that can, that can happen. It would be like, so I'm thinking of like a John Williams movie. If I'm sitting there and I'm watching Return of the Jedi 
and it's getting to the scene where I don't know Luke is going to swing out from the sail barge onto the other little the, the little skiff that they've got and they're trying to escape from Jabba's sail barge. Mm-hmm. It'd be like all of a sudden if he you know like swung out there and all of a sudden they started playing like yeah. And he and Princess Leia land, and all of a sudden it's like, and don't forget the droids. We're on our way. Right. I'm like, right. wait a minute. No, sorry. That's Superman. That's that's not yeah. Star Wars. That I, I equate it to something like that. Like, And, and I, know, sure. I know this little tiny piece from Aliens, like the majority of the world is not going to be sitting there going, ooh, that's from Aliens. That's from Aliens. It's just us nerds that watch these movies over and over again. It's, it's mainly mm-hmm. our fault for doing things like that. But it's just mm-hmm. it. It would be like if that happened. Like if somebody took another piece of John Williams, sure. if you took the Jurassic Park theme, and you put it on top of when the ATATs are, are walking through the snow, I'd be like, right, <laughs> like, well, hold on, right, no, no, thank you. <laughs> so or like or like making a movie about like I don't know Pearl Harbor and that day of all days, and then just saying just for grins, why not? use computer generated imagery and put John McClane walking through just because we can, it's something like that. Would that have made Pearl Harbor better? That happened in Pearl Harbor. Did it, it's been such a long time. Oh. I've watched it. Did it really? Yeah. That, that just because you could, and that's why we do those things. Bruce Willis just went walking through there. Yep. There's a scene where Bruce Willis is just walking through there. Oh, they use CGI just because they could, John. And okay. That's what makes that movie what it is <laughs> that's extraordinary what would you like to do next i'd like to go watch torah 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 but that's a discussion for another <laughs> that's, day that's another day indeed yeah. so bringing it back to the chilling scene but no i yeah. i yeah that that scene definitely brings the audience in you know yeah and that's my that's one of my only other than some of the other pieces of the movie not connecting for me like some of the some of the dialogue with what i know of the characters purely based on having watched the movie, not reading the books. Some of that just doesn't connect for me, and and there's pieces where I'm left a little confused. And then that musical part, like those are my only knocks on the movie. Otherwise, I really enjoyed the movie. I I wanted somebody, after you get to the whole scene in the house, that was pretty intense. But then especially when you get to the boat scene, like I, I wanted, it's Harrison Ford, and he's in a boat. I wanted somebody to start yelling, don't go between them. Yeah. Go between them? Are you crazy? Go between them? Don't go between them. I said, don't go between them. And Sean Bean should have said something like, "My soul's prepared. How's yours?" And I, other than that, it was <laughs> it was all fine. We're all fine here now. Thank you. How are you? I will tell you this: when they get into that fight on the boat with the anchor, when yeah. when the Sean Miller character swings that anchor down, and Harrison Ford has like the boat hook to defend. Uh-huh. However, they because I'm always guilty of, of undercutting the importance of camera angles. The way they put that camera right next to like Harrison Ford's ear, the way that anchor comes down and like the actual like part that grips extends even further than that boat hook. Mm-hmm. It, I flinch every single time I watch that part. Mm-hmm. That that one strike, it's like, whoa, whoa. I, I don't need to see it in 3D because it's 3D enough. Well, reading the reading the trivia section, didn't didn't they say Harrison Ford actually sliced open <laughs> a cut on yep. yeah. A Sean Bean's head in that scene? Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, and it worked out. Sean really Bean well. just can't catch a break, man. No, not really. Mm-mm. And it worked out well as a, a giant flare too, because then when the boat went up, then all of a sudden everybody knows where he is, and yeah, he's just he's just so good. Yep. All right. Well, before we get into our three questions, anything else you guys want to say about Patriot Games? Well, and 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 I don't know if it's good, bad, and different, but and they they mentioned this, I, and I'm kind of stealing this from from some of the review that was in the not greatest gen, the uh, friendly fire podcast is, and how could you do it in a movie when it's supposed to be this, this kind of revenge and this action sequence, the whole idea of the troubles and what was going on in Northern Ireland or Ireland and England and all that during this time, it kind of gets brushed over. Yeah. Do you know, it kind of becomes almost like a rip from the headlines. And I think they use that line in that other podcast kind of like, okay, well, we're going to use this as this basis for the movie, but that's that's some pretty incredible events and not incredible like awesome kind mm-hmm. of, but it was it was open warfare and that was going on. Like you said, you were over there living at the time and it was like 98, wasn't that the Good Friday Accords when all the troubles were supposed to, they were really taking like a, a, a tentative piece and uh, there's there's still repercussions from all that different, and it, the IRA, the real IRA, the provisional IRA, and all the other splinter groups, plus the ones on the other side, plus the, it was a very just violent and uh, scary thing. And but any of our listeners, like, I want to be very careful because any of our listeners over in Ireland or, or the British Isles that lived through that, that's, uh, that's a heck of a thing. But I know when this movie came out, that, it, it was, it was still going on. Right. You know? So yeah. yeah. I, and, and I don't, I don't know what my point is other than there's a lot of books being written and things coming out right now. And it's, it's, it's worth reading about and studying about. Cause like almost like what you said, it's like, this is, this is happening right now in mm-hmm. England and Ireland and no. And it's well, in a, in a Hollywood movie is not really going to do it justice. At least for the most part, a Hollywood movie is not going to, do justice to the actual historical and current events at the time. Yeah, I, I looked it up real fast. It's actually almost exactly, it's almost exactly to this date. It was signed. The Good Friday Agreement was signed 10th of April, 1998. But yeah, I, I feel like a movie is not going to do justice to those events and to that. But to your point, I think that's another thing I, I missed from this movie is it really just became a revenge story. Like mm-hmm. it really didn't matter whether they were an offshoot of the IRA. It didn't really matter. It didn't matter what country they were from. It didn't matter what their cause was. And I think that would have helped me a little bit is to have that be more of the focus of the story. Mm-hmm. Like have that be more prominent and not just because it could have been anybody. Like it really didn't matter who it was. It just, he, Jack Ryan killed his little brother mm-hmm. in a botched kidnapping attempt doesn't really could have been a domestic terrorist could have been some other country could have been a drug dealer I, whatever it doesn't really matter and i think given that you've you've made the effort to tell the story and have that be the backdrop of the story is the the issues going on in northern ireland in ireland give that more attention then yeah yeah and 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 like you said it 
you the flip side is you run the risk of it being trying to do too many different things and when then it gets too too widely spread and uh, there's plenty of books and documentaries and all those other things that you can that you can check out on that topic but it's yeah it I, i guess i'll just keep cycling back to the movie is what it is and i think like bo so eloquently said right at the beginning of the thing it's it can't be the book because of how densely the book is written and so the movie has to kind of become its kind of become its own thing. And I think it I think it did what it did in I think really well. It was it was an entertaining action movie. Yeah. All right. I think it's about time for three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, question number one. What is your favorite Sean Bean role? This is hard. (laughs) That's what she said. (laughs) I want you to know that this is hard and borderline evil. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important that you, that you know that. Everything, (laughs) everything you are doing is wrong. I just want you to know. Yeah. The the, the joyfulness is over now. Well, I will tell you, I wrote down three options just in case, based on what you gentlemen said. So I guess I'm going to say Eddard Stark. Okay. I'll say Boromir. All right. I, I don't want to be that guy and be like, what was he? It was it not flight. What was he? The pilot where Jodie Foster like had the kid that disappeared. Flight plan. Yeah, flight plan. Flight plan. Flight plan. Yeah. I was going to say you're close. Yeah. yeah. I, I'll, I'll make that my honorable mention just because in flight plan. Okay. Waiting for a spoiler. Have you guys seen flight plan? Oh yeah. A long time ago. John. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's, I'll just say this. He doesn't follow the care, the, path that all of his other characters do in every single other movie that he plays so it was kind of like oh this is different this is exciting but but they knew what they were getting with him so they could really play that up do you know what i'm saying even Mm -hmm. though he wasn't like playing evil conniving whatever or tragic hero it was just like those elements that he's so good at bringing out they were able to use that to their advantage in that movie in a different role. So that, I just thought that was kind of cool. I almost thought you were going to pick Ronan. <laughs> well, I mean, he's just kind of a punk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he was just kind of there for Robert De Niro to beat up. Yeah. All right. Well, so mine, cause I, I had a couple of different options here and, and so far you guys have, have listed the same ones that I listed on deep cut time. Deep I cut. Was, well, I, I, my uh, one I wrote down was Lord of the Rings. The other one I wrote down was game of Thrones. Yeah. And so, and I'm, and I'm, kind of going back and forth a little bit on which one I'm going to go with for here. The third thing I wrote down, which I don't think is what I'm going to choose, is his character in National Treasure. Oh, you know what? Yeah. Because I thought he was a really fun villain in National Treasure. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to go with that one, but let me think for a second. I have really liked him as the villain in the Snowpiercer TV show. Okay. He plays I see, I gotta he, see. he plays Wilford, the one of the uh, kind of the major villain in the Snowpiercer TV show. 
and he's been really good in that. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling between that and National Treasure because I love National Treasure so much. And he's such mm. a fun villain in that movie. See, that's the thing. Yeah. It's sort of like Wreck-It Ralph. He, he's a bad guy, but he's not a bad guy. Just because he's a bad guy does not mean he's a bad guy. Thank you, Zangief. Yeah. What I didn't realize, and I, I'm trying to remember if I have the copy of this video game, that he was the voice of the narrator in Civilization VI. Oh. Now i got to go see. I think I, I don't remember if I have that one or not. I used to have every Civilization game that ever got made because that was my jam, but hmm, I'll have to go back and look. The The fun thing was, I think, Civilization th- three, maybe, maybe 4? I don't remember. Uh, Leonard Nimoy was actually the narrator. I'm going to go National Treasure. I, nice. I'll, 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 yeah, do that's... A, I'll do a Shirley podcast and say spike the football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> National Treasure. All right, number two, which actor has played your favorite Jack Ryan? I like John Krasinski. I've, I've liked yeah. him in that TV series, but if Jack Ryan is meant to be kind of a nerdy analyst kind of guy and not like an action hero, then I think I got to go Harrison Ford because he's the one to me that is the most, like with most of, and I think that's why Harrison Ford gets cast in those roles, is Harrison Ford is not an action hero. We've talked about this with Indiana Jones. Harrison Ford is the everyman, and that's why his Indiana Jones just gets the ever-loving crap beat out of him every single time because he's not an action hero. He's not invincible. He's like us. If I were to get into a fight or if I would try to beat up a bunch of Nazis, no, I'm going to get tied to a stake. I'm going to probably fall off a cliff diving from a tank. I probably wouldn't even make it off the tank, but I'm probably going to get beat up terribly anytime I try to do any of that. And it is, it is, it's not the, what is it? It's not the years, it's the miles. That's his character. And he's just like the average guy. So I feel like if Jack Ryan is supposed to be the CIA analyst who is very intelligent, but he's just an average guy, I think Harrison Ford does that best out of all mm. the ones that have played the part. Got it. But I do like John Krasinski in the, in the Amazon Prime series. Hmm. Interesting. I'm- I've liked what they're doing with Krasinski. I think it's fun. Hunt for Red October is one of my favorite movies ever. So the Alec Baldwin portrayal works for me too. I think he comes across as the analyst, the younger Jack Ryan. He plays better, obviously, than Harrison Ford did. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take one of each of what you're saying. So I'll, I'll take, have what uh, he's having. I'll, I'll do the Edward Norton in the Italian job. I'll just have one of each. <laughs> I I think everything you're taking Harrison Baldwin. Yes. I I think, I think everything you guys are saying makes a lot of sense. I, I, I'll be honest. I like Ben Affleck's portrayal, especially as a young Dr. Ryan. I really, I was kind of so, so on that one. And then I listened to that friendly fire podcast and the way they described it. Oh, I really got to like, look at it this way. You know what I'm saying? So I, I really think they were good. I, if I was going to pick my favorite, I, I probably have to say Alec Baldwin as well. I feel like I, I should say Harrison Ford, but as far as, as far as the Jack Ryan character, Alec Baldwin. And when I read the books, like that's who I see. Do you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, it just kind of, uh, that's the one. That's the one I see in my mind's eye. I watched. I vividly remember when I watched some of All Fears, 
I was in Nashville, Tennessee. We were at a wedding. It was actually a wedding of someone that Bo and I both know and went to high school with. Ah, uh, yes. So I was there, but because because my wife was best friends with the bride, but we didn't really know anybody else there, she was invited to all of the, like, bachelorette party, like some of that stuff, mm -hmm. and I was not a part of anything else. And so I spent quite a bit of time in the hotel room, and I'm like, well, there's movies. So this is also, the, I've told the story before of how I got kicked out of the Chuck E. Cheese because I was the weird adult in the Chuck E. Yes. Cheese. In, in yeah. Yes, you did. This is that same trip. And so when I knew that I wasn't allowed to go back to the Chuck E. Cheese, I'm like, well, I guess I'll just go back to the hotel room and watch movies. So for part of that weekend, and I'll vivid, I vividly remember all this, that's the same weekend that they had Ronald Reagan's funeral. And when I was back at the hotel room with nothing else to do, I had already gone to a movie earlier that day and then walked around the town. I'd gone to the Chuck E. Cheese, got kicked out, went to go get a burger, went back to the hotel. And, uh, and some of all fears was on. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is that one that they kept advertising last year. As like the the guy was always screaming, the bomb is in play. The bomb like, is in play. That's all I remember from the trailer. Like, all right, we'll give yeah. it a try. So yeah, they hit us over the head with that one, didn't they? Uh huh. It's like the bomb is in play. It's been a long road. <laughs> it's all stuck in my head. All roads lead to faith of the heart. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's all in one giant enterprise on some sort of star trek on, on some sort of star trek <laughs> <laughs> i see what you did there yeah. i see how it works all right should i get to the most challenging question of the entire night yes. even after you told me question one was the evil one two wasn't that smooth of a go either but two, yeah go ahead two is not that kind either but all right question number three let me let me Hold on. Let me go back to the let me go back to the start here as we intro the podcast within the podcast. Fasten your seatbelt. I'm taking you for the ride of your life. I'm gonna show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. We'd like to welcome you to the 30-something food podcast. I am your host, John Reed. With me tonight are Bo Warmbold and Patrick Canagala. We're on question three of the three questions. And question three tonight is what is your favorite Irish food? Bo. Pat, how's it going tonight? It's Hungry. great. Hungry. It's, I was just about to say, my stomach's growling. Can't wait to get I, done and go. I just incepted it. us. Yes. I did the podcast the still the spinning. Podcast and I, as long as the top is still, spin, still spinning, and like one of these is going to be slower than the other, but I, I don't even know. Yes. As long as we don't go in the basement, that's fine. Favorite Irish food? Might be. So, this is... This is so hard because I know when you look up some of this stuff, it's it's debatable whether it's Irish or just the whole British Isles. Yeah, mm -hmm. but my can, wife can we also can we also offer a disclaimer to any of our listeners in Ireland that we are but we are but poor, ignorant Americans, and mm. it, it may very well be that we sit here and say this is my favorite Irish food, and that would be like somebody coming to Texas and being like. Well, Texas, don't y'all love burgers? Right. Well, yeah, but that's not like a particularly Texan thing. Just because we're all large people in Texas. Oh, jeez. And, and, and we oh, love geez. everything. Okay, now, okay. Now. It, it, well, Houston, historically, was one of the most overweight cities in the country. 
They do say everything's bigger in Texas, that although is, I don't think that's what they meant. That's not what they meant. <laughs> Incidentally, it's also true, but mm. that's not what they had in mind. So I'm just right. going to preface this with a quick disclaimer that there may be foods that we sit here as poor, lowly Americans and go, that's my favorite Irish food, and it may not be <laughs> Irish at all. So we are happy to be educated if we are wrong. Yes. I am going to hope. And, and if you would like to educate us by sending us free samples. I'm in. Mm-hmm. Of said food. Please do. Okay, go ahead. I I have two, but I'm just going to say one and see what goes around. I have always, and, and my wife reminded me when we go to a to a place that has it, I do always like to order bangers and mash. Mm-hmm. It's very good. So I'm going to go with bangers and mash. Okay, and I th- and I might be wrong. I I think of that as a particularly British food. And that's what I thought too. And then I read some more stuff, and I was like, hmm, okay. "Okay." And and I'm always I'm always willing to understand that other countries can oftentimes appropriate other people's foods. So sure, maybe it was Irish to start off with, and then it got appropriated by the British, sure, as they were sometimes wont to do. Uh. All right, that's a good one. I do like a good bangers and mash. Patrick? It's hard, John. I know. It's just challenging. That's what I'm going to say to you. That's what I got. I, it was funny. I was remember looking at a bunch of things like, okay, which food? Because there's stew and corned beef and cabbage. And okay, which one's traditional and which one isn't? And, and it's funny. There's a lot of things that I remember like from growing up that my mom would make all the time. And it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And and it's funny. I always loved Irish stew. I know the traditional has lamb. And then the if you couldn't afford lamb, it had the, the meat in there. And as we come out on some of the early podcasts, I don't eat meat anymore, but my gosh, I still love that stew with the veggies in there. And that. Here's, and, uh, here's where my brain went. I went to like the Miranda rights. If you cannot afford a lamb, one will be provided for you. <laughs> there it is. There it is. We can do whatever we want. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so the stew is so good. Any of the mashed potato recipes are just mm-hmm. to die for. And shepherd's pie. Yes. Love shepherd's pie. That was and, my second one. I am a yeah. sucker for a good shepherd's pie. And it's just, it's such, it's just such, you know, warm and filling. I, I guess they would say comfort food. Some of the traditional dishes and everything like that that have come out of Ireland are, are it's just such delicious food. And the, the time that I was fortunate enough to, to be in Ireland and tour and all that, we found just so many different wonderful restaurants that it is it's not like every restaurant was serving stew and all the traditional Irish fare. You'd right. go to certain places and that's what you'd get, but just, just a great food culture and delicious, wonderful restaurants and all that when we were in Ireland. And that was just such a wonderful treat as well. But uh, no, I, I, if I had to name it, I, I guess I named you three and I'm still going strong. So yeah, any of those food is so good. The food is so good. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking of like the like corned beef, Irish mm-hmm. stew. I always think of, I, I, I'm, and see, I love black pudding. Like I used to have that every time we go to Scotland. I think of that as being more of a Scottish thing. Maybe it's not. And on the flip side of that, as much as I loved it, every time I ate it, I got sick. So that probably should have been an indication. Maybe I shouldn't eat black pudding. I love. I, I think I have an unhealthy relationship with soda bread. Ah. Uh. 
Get, get Irish me, soda bread. Get me some. Get me some of the Irish butter that they've got at the grocery store here, and some soda bread. And I, I don't know. I, I might just leave society and just <laughs> spend the rest of my yeah. life with the Irish soda bread for as little time yeah. as it will re- remain with me until I eat it all. Oh. Yeah, it's it's a it's an unhealthy. <sighs> It's April this mm. month, so I'm. I think of like, I, I don't partake of any other types of substances. So what am I going to do on four twenty? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking soda I, bread. There you go. Yeah, I think so. I so, think so. Yeah, shepherd's pie is always. I mean, that's oh, of, yes of, of the different food. Just with some of our family's dietary things and allergy things and stuff like that, we have found. My wife has found some really good recipes for a shepherd's pie that works really well oh, yeah. with some of our different dietary stuff that we have to be careful with. And I, I am down for a shepherd's pie just about any point in time and a good corned beef. Like we used to go to one of my wife's relatives houses and uh, their family's ancestors were Irish and they had married into the Italian family, but they were Irish. And so there was always a big, back in the day, there was always a big St. Patrick's Day party at their house and lots of so corn, great. corn beef and cabbage and all kinds of good stuff. So I am, I am, I'm down for any of it. And I'm, I was looking on some different websites. I'm like, what is some other stuff that I have not even heard of or have not even tried yet? And I'm just like, all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, please. <laughs> And that's the other thing, too, is that up around here, and I know there's several kind of like Irish pubs and things like that up around here. I've always tried to find, because you know, my, my family, the the heritage of my family goes back to Ireland and then back ultimately to Scotland. And so I have tried to find up around here some like good quality Irish restaurants or Scottish restaurants, if possible. And I, there just doesn't, there's a few Irish ones. But it just doesn't. There doesn't seem to be a lot of Scottish ones, and I just don't know which ones are quality enough to even bother. Right. So. Right. I have to do a little bit more digging, but you would think, being near Chicago, we'd have plenty of options. And I just don't know. Maybe I just don't know what I don't know. No, that's that's especially like you said, being Irish and Scottish foodie. It's it's unfortunately it's kind of hard. Because I don't want to go somewhere and have them tell me that they've got Irish nachos and they just slap some corned beef on top of some cheese. Right. And, and, yes. And tortilla chips. Like right. That's, that's not right. really what I had in mind. Exactly. Exactly. But, all right. Do we have anything else we want to say about Irish food? Eat it all. Mm-hmm. Eat it all. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for coming to this episode of the 30-something Food Podcast. We'll probably be back here next time with some other dishes uh, related to some of our other movies. I'm sure there's food at least mentioned somewhere in Under Siege, A Few Good Men, and Universal Soldier. But until next time, be excellent to each other and go eat plenty of good food. All right, anything else you guys want to say about the three questions? I had, no. get, I had to I get us out of. I had to get us out of the one dream before you had we could come back. Right. We, we had to yeah. uninsept you. To uninsept. You know, John. I, I didn't want to leave you should... in there because otherwise the top will stop spinning. And yeah, I think uh, we should do like a, one of our Patreon specials. We should go to a restaurant and record while we're eating the food, and we can oh, discuss the go. food that we're eating and how it relates to the restaurant. 
I think that would be a lot of fun. We should look into That's that. That's extraordinary. What would you like to do next? <laughs> uh-huh. That's yeah. a great plan. That's a great plan. I'm happy to be a part I'm of it. I love this plan. I'm excited I'm to be a part of it. Let's do it. Yeah. Do it. <sighs> hey, when when someone <laughs> Pat, when someone offers to record a podcast in a restaurant, you say no. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this place is great. We got to try this. We got to sleep here tonight. Check it out. I'm going to go get our stuff. This place is great. We should put one microphone in the middle of the table. <laughs> and then order a lot of chips. And chomp oh, a lot. Man. Maybe we can get the violin player to come over to our table. Yes. The lost episode, episode number 423, where all you can hear is some talking and an Irish jig in the background. And a lot of... <laughs> and a lot of... Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Our listener is out there going, did they just like pocket dial me? What's going on? <laughs> Have guys, they lost their minds? Guys, I, I think Captain Ron is really a, a, a lost treasure here. Hold on. Take a bite of some corned beef. Wait, wait, wait. Are we, we need more bread here. We need, we need more bread. <laughs> we need more bread. Bring the bread. Yeah. <sighs> I'll consider it, Pat. How about I say that? Hey, man, you do you. It's your show. You call it whatever you want. You I'm want a, the if, if we ever title do for that, the month? Make no sense. It's up to you. If we I'm ever if we ever do that again, I'm just going to knock over a liquor store so I can get enough money to buy us all little lavalier mics so that we're mic'd up and ready to go. And I'll I'll treat it like when they mic up the NFL players during game day. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be great. You all get helmet mics. <laughs> that's awesome all right well that's going to do it for this episode you know what i think we've learned a lot this episode we've we've gone on many tangents while we were here we had a podcast within a podcast there's a decent go section of the podcast in which pat was filming an experimental french movie <laughs> indeed which i'm just i'm considering now i'm glad it's spring break this week because i'm considering Un now grand I'm, balloon. I, right I'm, I'm considering now how am i going to edit that part so ding, 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 ding. yeah thank you what there is this edit you speak of <laughs> oh there it is I, oh there we go i'm i'm gonna play the music from eyes wide shut while i edit it and just yeah oh the hands <laughs> i'm i'm very weird okay i i'm sorry i had to take a picture of that oh dear all right. Well, I'm going to tweet this out with no explanation whatsoever, and just <laughs> and just let the people on Twitter. Oh, see, the let lighting. it happen. Now you're now you're messing with the lighting. I feel like you're going through the history of film in your dining room. I'm amazed by this. It's mesmerizing. All right. Now I feel like we're in a part of Egypt where very few people should ever go. <laughs> <sighs> Oddly turned on by this right now. Wow. Oh, boy. On, oh, on, boy. on that note. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. On that note. <laughs> you, you can, we've apparently lost ourselves, so you can find us at 30podcast.com. And I don't know what's going on anymore. This is like, you know what this is? This is like Blade Runner. Yes. Because... <laughs> If you just fold a little origami unicorn and then put it next to the green balloon, and then we can find out if electric sheep dream.
There we go. And if they don't dream, can we put them in an Irish stew? All right, 30podcast.com is our website. That's where you can find all of our other episodes that are going to make a lot more sense than this one. <laughs> well, we hit 400, and then I think from there it's just, ah, whatever. Oh, it's all downhill from <laughs> it's all, there. It's all down here. It's, it's the, the sl- it's we were we were barreling ahead towards 400. We're just kind of like slipping and sliding towards 500, is what it is. That's that's mm. it. We've got to do Jazz Odyssey. I'm a little scared right now. I, I don't I don't know what to do. I don't <laughs> even know what to say. And the podcast. And the podcast. <laughs> Thirty podcastcom is our website where you can find all of our other episodes at Thirty Podcast on social media. God help us. Our next episode's coming up for the rest of the month of April, which is, thanks to Pat, the running and gunning month. Uh, We have our Patreon episode of High Noon from 1952, and we've got, let's see, Under Siege, A Few Good Men, and Universal Soldier. In May, we've got our Patreon Singing in the Rain from 1952. Then we've got Cool World, Newsies, Aladdin, and Noises Off. And then in June, our Patreon is The Godfather from 1972, uh, reaching its 50th anniversary this year. And then for the rest of that month, we've got The Distinguished Gentleman, Encino Man, Memoirs of an Invisible Man, Lawnmower Man, and Candyman. Man. Man. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) It's man month. I I don't know. It's a man, (laughs) man. I don't really even know what's going on anymore. I don't understand the world. I don't understand logic. I well, this is going to be my screen backdrop. I don't know. That's going to be your background on your computer now? Yeah. Yeah, screen capture that. I think so. There you go. That'll be, that can be your Zoom background. Just lock that in. What? Make that your Zoom background and put that on the next time you have a Zoom meeting for work and see what people say. <laughs> That's what I'm going in that meeting with. Do it. There you go. <laughs> Wait. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm just gonna bring the balloon and hang it wherever I need that parent teacher sense. conferences. Just hang the balloon. Just hang the balloon. It's a it's a conversation piece. All right, everybody. That's gonna do it for this episode. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, John. Thank you, Bo. God, Thank somebody you, Pat. somebody put a question mark in the teleprompter. He's gonna read it that way. <laughs> Thanks, Pat. <laughs> Thank you. Bo. I'm Ron. I'm Ron Burgundy. I'm Pat Canagallo. Canawada? All right, everybody. Be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. God help us. We'll see you back here next time. You just start cracking up, and all of a sudden you're like, Pat, what are we looking at? I just, I'm looking, I'm going, what is this?